We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Decision to do or not to do something. It's the quality of being determined. Synonyms include such words as intention, commitment, a pledge, or promise. According to research, the practice of making New Year's resolutions goes back about 3,000 years, uh, and they say that it originated with the Babylonians. You know, when you think about that, uh, I think it's amazing to me, and, and I think it's kind of cool in one sense. There's just something about a new day, a new week, a new month, but especially a new year in which we can really go before the Lord. We can look back and we can say, Lord, how was this last year? Um, you know, how was my walk with you, my commitment to you? Did I grow? Did I digress? You know, we can really uh, evaluate our life. And I do encourage you, that was one of the things that was touched on last night. You know, before you rush into the new year, stop and contemplate and ask yourself, Lord, show me, you know, what happened. Lord, I want to learn from the past. I want to learn maybe from the mistakes that I made. But I think it's cool that God gives us new beginnings, don't you? I mean, I really do. I, even when I wake up in the morning, man, and I roll out of bed, I think, wow, Lord, this is so cool, a new day that I can start and live for you. And I, I think we have to admit some New Year's resolutions are actually pretty good. You know, the, the statistics tell us that most people don't follow through with their commitment but there are some who do, right? You know, I was glassing over a few lists online the other day, and one of the lists I thought was, was pretty good. Top on the list, New Year's resolution. This one right here, it said, I'm going to spend more time with my family. And I thought that was a pretty cool resolution. More than 50% of Americans vow to appreciate loved ones, spend more time with family. And you have to admit, that would be cool. Husbands, take your wives out on a date. Um, you know, you parents, spend time with your children. You know, peel them away from the video games, the television, and even all the activities that a lot of times we'll send them out and we'll feed them to the world. Maybe that would be a good resolution for you. I don't know. I think that's a cool one to spend more time with our family. Second on the list, uh, on this one in particular anyways, was to exercise. Any of you guys going to do that? All right. They say that regular exercise has been associated with more physical health benefits than anything else known to man. Studies show that it reduces the risk of cancer, increases longevity, helps achieve and maintain weight loss. It even puts you in a better mood. Okay, some of you need that, man, you know. It lowers our blood pressure, it improves our arthritis. And I think if even as Christians, we've got to admit that, you know, exercising would probably be a good way to take care of our body, huh? to take care of his temple. Uh, the third thing on this list right here was to lose weight. And I won't ask for a raise of hands on that one, but they say that over 66% of Americans are overweight. And so it's not surprising to find this on the list. And then you just go down the line. Some say they want to quit smoking. I like number five, enjoy life more. That's a cool one, huh? Imagine that. You know, I was thinking, and, and we can do that in so many ways, so many ways. 
beginning with our relationship with God, relationship with other people, and even the things that God's given to us to enjoy. Things like smelling the roses. When was the last time you did that? Or just stopping and listening to the birds sing. That would be cool. Or when was the last time you just really just kicked it and watched the sun go down? Now you see that sunset. All these beautiful things that God has given us to enjoy. Uh, number six on the list was quit drinking. That's a good one. Um, it shouldn't be a New Year's resolution. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. You don't need some substance to make you happy. That's a great one to put on your list if you're here involved in alcohol. Number seven, here's a good one, get out of debt. Wouldn't that be cool? You're like, how? This begins by being a good steward. Uh, these are good things. I like number eight, learn something new. You know, what, what do you want to learn? You know, maybe this year you'll dedicate. I know for me, this is what God uh, showed me for the year. Uh, one of the things that I want to study all year long is pride. Pride is the root of all sin. You know, why don't we humble ourselves? Why don't we come to Jesus Christ? And we have all these reasons. The real reason is pride. Why, you know, do we sin? When my wife gets mad at me. When your whatever happens, happens. It's, it's pride. And so the Lord really laid that on my heart all year long. I'm going to study pride and humility all year long. Asking God to humble me and to make me the man he wants me to be. But maybe it will be a new language you're going to learn. Maybe for some of you here, you're finally going to learn how to use a computer. I, I don't know what it will be. Learn something new this year. That's number eight on the list. Number nine, we saw this a lot. Help others, volunteer, and then number 10. And i gotta, I got to tell you this. I love number 10 on this list. It's right down my alley, and that is to get organized. How many of you can relate to that? Man? Some of you are like, no, no, I have a messy organization that works just fine for me. I don't know if you guys can relate to any of these things right here, but I think we can, you know. And I, and I think if we're honest, we'd have to say that these are okay. Just as long as they don't get in the way of the most important goal of all, and that is to know the Lord, man. To know the Lord more and to be like Him more. That's the greatest goal that we can have for the new year and for any year. You know, last night we talked a little bit about that. If you can, maybe you can pick up the study from last night. We talked really about that goal specifically. But as I was going over the lists, although there were a wide range of variables, I think we all probably know that they would have that one common denominator when it comes to New Year's resolutions, and that is that common denominator of the physical, losing weight, exercise, eating right, that type of thing. And so I thought, you know what, let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and, and let's look at this right here. In, in verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving 
by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now in a nutshell right here, Paul was telling Timothy that the language of Lucifer, which is the language of lies, would infiltrate the church. He says it's something that the Spirit expressly says. Something that the Spirit clearly warns us of. And when you think about that, lies penetrating the truth, it really is a tragic thing. Especially when you look back at chapter 3. Notice what it says there in verse 15. Paul says, If I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I mean, here in the church, this should be a place of truth. But according to Paul, right here in chapter 4, he says there's going to be lies coming in to the church. Notice again, if you would, look at verse 3, forbidding to marry. There are some churches who tell their leaders you can't get married. And that is not biblical. And that went into the church. And that created a lot of problems. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 says that marriage is honorable. You know, the only thing that God says is that if you're a Christian, you've got to marry another Christian. You can't be unequally yoked. A believer should never marry a non-believer. But other than that, you know, we've got to make sure that we guard ourselves from these lies that creep into the church. As a matter of fact, if you're a leader, I think it's good to get married, man, because your wife humbles you, you know. You learn a lot with your kids. You learn what sacrificial love is. But that lie, it crept into the church forbidding believers to get married, and then also saying that if you really want to be spiritual, there are certain foods that you need to stay away from. Paul says, no way, man. We can eat meat. We can eat sweet. We can even grub grub, which is a caterpillar. According to the Bible, we can eat anything. He says, don't listen to the lie of Lucifer that says something so silly as a special diet will make you a better disciple. That's what he's saying. You can eat anything, he says right there. You know, I had a friend who loved the Lord, and in order to prove this point, one day on a fishing trip, what he does is he grabs a big, fat, long worm, right? And what he does is he holds it up to his mouth, and in front of everybody he gives thanks to the Lord, and then he slurps him up, right? The worm. It's what you call a fisherman's slurpee. Right there on the boat, right? And I'm serious, you know. He, I don't know for sure. Maybe he did chew him. But, um, you know, at least I hope he did. I wouldn't suggest you doing that. But this is all I'm trying to say at this point. Is that according to the scriptures, that's actually okay. Genesis chapter 9 verse 3 says, Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. You know, the Lord says, you can eat me. You can eat treat. Remember even what the Lord told Peter when Peter said, no, Lord, I don't eat bacon, I don't eat sausage, I don't eat shrimp, I don't eat scallops. Remember what the Lord said in Acts chapter 10, verse 13, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. 
According to the scriptures, and this is what we need to see here, marriage is honorable, nothing wrong with it, and a good diet in and of itself will not necessarily make you a good Christian. And that's what he's saying right here. Timothy was to teach this. And so we read, look what it says in verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. No, we're we're not to listen to the lie of Lucifer. We're not to take in the myths of mankind. We're not to fall into the trap of the fables of this world. You know, just as a real quick side note, they say that the world's going to end December 21st, right, 2012. I'm here to tell you it's not. <laughs> you know, because the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. The Lord might come before then. The Lord might come today. We don't know. We don't listen to the myths of mankind. We don't fall into the traps and the fables of this world. We should not listen to the lies of Lucifer. This is the ground and the foundation of truth. And that's why we study the Bible. Marriage is not bad. And whether or not I eat a good diet, that's really not going to be the determining factor of whether or not I'm a good disciple. And so Paul here, he shares this right here. And it's interesting to me, that the context here is, number one, asceticism. No, I'm not going to marry. I'm not going to eat. That'll make me a better Christian. That's asceticism, and that's a lie. And then number two is athleticism. Paul corrects the misconception of the world by saying it's infinitely more profitable to exercise spiritually than it is to exercise physically. Notice again, look what it says there in verse 7. Reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. The NIV says, train yourself to be godly. The NLT says, spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. You see, the Greek word is exercise. In the Greek, it's the word gumatso, where we derive our English word gymnasium. And it means to exercise vigorously. So basically, what we're seeing today is Paul telling Timothy to exercise himself vigorously in the direction of godliness. Let me just ask you a real quick question. Who do you want to be like? Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, I just want to be me. And, and that's cool, because there's no one else like you. And I thank God for that. But God wants you to maintain your personality, so to speak, 
And yet at the same time, to have the character of Christ. To be like Jesus. God wants you to exercise yourself vigorously so that you can, you know, see that transformation. I encourage you, wake up in the morning and go to God's gym. You know, if you spend your time and energy training yourself for spiritual fitness, you really will be stronger. It's amazing to me how some guys can't say no to a drink because they're too weak. They're not strong. Some guys can't say no to a grill. They can't say no to a cigarette. Why? Because they're not strong. You don't need that. When you begin to exercise yourself in God's gym, you're going to get strong. Spiritually, you will receive the endurance that's necessary. I mean, you know, when you exercise yourself in God's gym, you will develop a heart after God's own heart. You know how it is, right? Physically, some of our hearts are all thrashed, right? Clogged arteries, weak. You you go up the stairs and you're, you're panting. And God says, yeah, that's a physical truth, but now let's take it over into the spiritual realm. I want you to be strong. I want you to endure. And I want you to have a good heart. Notice again what he says there in verse 8. For bodily exercise profits a little. You know, and the reason I'm saying this is because I know here we are, most of America now is focused on losing the seven pounds they gained during the Christmas season, right? Okay, now I'm going to exercise. And all I want to do is encourage you, man, now that the new year begins, to really have it in your heart, rather than physical exercise only, make it a priority now to enter into this spiritual exercise so that there would be a spiritual transformation in your life. You know, to exercise, he says, it does profit a little bit, and it definitely has its benefits. You know, I would encourage you to be fit. I encourage you to be good stewards of your temple. It does have dividends, right? I mean, the other day, before the study, I said, you know what, I better work out for 20 minutes because I know it helps my brain. And uh, bottom line is, my brain needs a lot of help, right? You know, when you exercise, it, it makes you think a little clearly. It, it even gives you a little more energy, right? And so it has its benefits. But Paul says physical exercise only profits a little in comparison to the spiritual exercise. Physical exercise brings only physical and temporal profit, while spiritual exercise brings spiritual and eternal Profit. I mean, think about this right here. It's one thing to shed a few pounds, but wouldn't you rather shed a few sins? You know, that's what messes people up. You know, I was talking to my kids on the way over here, and this is something just a little different, but, you know, I was telling them, I said, you know, when you see somebody limping, you ever see somebody walking around and they're limping? What do you normally assume? Well, you normally assume that somewhere in their life, they got hurt. They got hurt. Who knows, maybe it was in the conception process, and they were born that way. Maybe when they were a baby, uh, something happened to them. Maybe they got dropped. Maybe they got hit by a car. But somewhere in their life, 
they got hurt. And so I was telling him, he said, if you saw someone limping, you wouldn't go up to them and say, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you walking right? Right? I mean, normally you would say, you know, wow, your heart goes out to them. I wonder what happened to them. Somewhere they got hurt. And you understand them. And I was trying to tell my kids that the same is true in life. You know, when you see people, and they're not as perfect as you are. When you see people and... And, you know, they, they're, they got a chip on their shoulder. Or, you know, they're, you know, angry. Or they just don't got it all together like you do. I was telling my kids, they're limping. They got hurt somewhere. And you, and you gotta pray for them. Now, I'm not making an excuse for sin. All I'm saying is that there's an explanation between, behind all these things. And when we begin, you know, to understand what God wants to do in our life, He doesn't want you to go and point out their limps and say what's wrong with you. What God wants us to do is to do our part to get healthy because this is the way it it works. And I told you this before. Hurt people hurt people. Healed people heal people. And that's why we're here. You see, the only reason I want to be more like Jesus is because I know he loves the lost. I know he loves my family. And I want to make a difference in their life. I want to help that guy and that girl, if there's anything that I can do in my life to help them go to heaven and to help them have a wonderful life in Jesus Christ, then I'll do that. But I'm not going to be any good if I don't exercise myself unto godliness. And that's all I'm saying is that here we have a new year before us and God says, I want to make you strong so that you can help them. I want to make you strong so that you can bring God glory. I mean, I know we have our agenda, physical exercise. I'm going to get in shape. And that's great. But man, make sure you also have the spiritual benefits. Paul says physical exercise profits a little, but the spiritual exercise profits forever. You know, you can have both. Don't get me wrong. Whatever you do, I am not encouraging you to be a couch potato, okay? I'm not encouraging you to go and have a 4 by 4 after service today, all right? Because I know how important that is. Unless you can hang, well, that's fine. You can go ahead and eat it. But all I'm saying is that we can have both, but the spiritual exercise needs to be our priority in life. And that's my encouragement for you this year. You know, when it comes to, you know, your life as a Christian, I think it's cool to be able to exercise physically. Paul says it profits a little, but... Primarily, my encouragement to you now is is as we have this new start, to really exercise yourself spiritually. It will get you to heaven, man. And it will bring heaven to you. And so you're like, okay, Manny, well, what types of spiritual exercises can I do? Well, number one, I would encourage you to do pull-ups. Okay, any of you guys remember pull-ups? Okay, this is what pull-ups are to me. Get up off the ground. Get out of the gutter. You can do it, man. Pull yourself up. 
and repent of your sins. If there's anything in your life that you know is wrong, you know what? Give it to God. Surrender it, man. Turn from it. Pull up. Number two, I encourage you to do push-ups. Give me 50 right now. No, I'm just joking. After the pull-ups, do your push-ups. And you know what push-ups are? Anybody know? Prayer. Prayer is so simple. Oh, I'm going to push this one up to God. Lord, help me. That's where I'll start. Lord, help me. Lord, help her. Lord, do a work. Man, I encourage you, before you rush out into your day and you stand before men, man, take the time to kneel before God. You really need to pull up and repent. You need to push up and pray. And then the third thing is sit-ups. You guys like sit-ups, right? Let's go over real quick to Luke 10. I know you guys know this. Spiritual exercise. Repent of my sins. Lord, I begin to pray before I start my day. Really, seriously. And then I, I sit up. Look what it says here in Luke 10. In verse 38, that what happened as they went, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Martha, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You do your pull-ups, you do your push-ups, and you do your sit-ups. Right here it says in verse 39, then Mary sat at Jesus' feet. If I was to ask most of you here why you don't exercise, I'll bet you you would tell me this. You don't have the time. Oh, how much of you say that, right? I don't have the time. i got, you know, places to go, people to see. And, and why? Because we are so busy in life. We're so busy. Right here, that was Martha's problem. She was busy... Even doing what? Serving. And what the Lord here is, he really elevates the sitting and he says, you know what, Martha, this is where you need to be. Mary has chosen this good place, this place of sitting, like you guys are today. And I'm so proud of you on New Year's Day. Uh, maybe someone had to drag you here, maybe not. Maybe you wanted to be here, I don't know, but you're here. And you know what? If I could just say this in just a, a, a human way, I'm proud of you. You're here sitting, what? To study the Word of God. And that's what Mary did, and that's my encouragement to you as well. You know, to, man, make sure that you have that spiritual exercise, pull-ups of repentance, push-ups of prayer, and sit-ups. You go, you get your cup of coffee, you go to your desk, you open up your Bible, for some of you here, it'll be the first time you read your whole Bible this year. It's going to be so amazing. But you spend that time right here in the Word of God. And what He'll do is He'll take you with your pull-ups, with your push-ups, with your sit-ups, and He will make you grown-ups.
And you watch what happens at the end of the year. You watch what happens. You're going to be a different person. You're going to be a person that puts a smile on God's face and you'll blow your family away. You see, it's not ascetics. Don't marry, don't eat. It's not athletics. Oh, let's exercise. What it really is is spiritual genetics. And here's the bottom line. You were made in the image of God. You were made to be like God. And don't run from that calling in your life. Don't run from that privilege that you have to be like God. In closing, right here, Paul uses the word back in 1 Timothy, the word godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. You see? And that's where we need to end. It means to reverence God, respect, and show piety towards Him. And it's something lacking in the church today. But my prayer is that maybe today it'll be the rise of a new day. Why? Because we have the opportunity to get out of the blocks, out of the box of plastic Christianity and make a real and radical resolution today to exercise ourselves toward godliness. And I was thinking of that word resolution, and I kind of divided it up. I'm all, all it is is a resolution, right? <laughs> That's all it is, man. We tried that stuff, it never really helped. What we have instead is a real solution. His name is Jesus Christ. You know, I just pray that everybody here knows that this is not a religion. This is not a social club. That what we're here is encouraging you guys in is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you start working out, okay? Right? Philippians 2.12. Work out your own salvation. Start working out, man. You start walking, right? Walking with God. Walking like God. You start running. Run with endurance, the Bible says. Run to win, the Bible says. You start exercising, playing some baseball. Make a few sacrifices. If you're a good pitcher, maybe you might even get a save. (laughs) Start playing some basketball, man, and some tennis. All these things. They say that the one that has the best serve wins in tennis. For us as Christians, I encourage you to take all these disciplines and let God do a new work in your life. I pray you have a happy new year, but I pray even more than that, that you would understand God wants us to have a holy new year. Happiness, holiness, godliness. Let's keep these things in our heart. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord God, to realize the love that you have for us. And I pray, Lord, that everyone here would know, Lord, that these limps we have in life, Lord God, can be healed by you. I pray that everyone here would know, Lord God, whether they're not a Christian or whether even they are a Christian, that we serve a faithful God. We serve the living, loving God. And if there's anyone here today hurting, struggling, limping through life, Lord, I pray that today on this new year that there would be a new start, there would be a new heart, 
Lord, that we would just, in a fresh way, surrender our lives to you. Lord, do a good work, Father, in every single person here. Protect them from the devil. Protect them from the world. Protect them from themselves. Lord, I pray a special anointing on this congregation, Lord. On every family that's represented here. Every child, every parent, every husband and wife. Every single person. I pray, Lord, that there would be a fresh anointing today. Lord, we look back with appreciation. and We thank you for what you've done. And we look forward with expectation, Lord. Even thanking you in advance for what you're going to do. Lord, a new work in every life. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. And we just ask that you would just bless this congregation, this church, these people for your glory. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.